When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Kules. Welcome to Barca Talk. I'm your host, Gabriel Quiroga, here in the Spanish capital. In today's episode, we talk about FC Barcelona's last two matches against Celta Vigo and Mallorca. Before we get into those topics and those matches, some quick admin. If you are a Kule without a Pena, consider joining our virtual Pena. We have a WhatsApp group that is fun and international. We have Kim, who shares the morning papers. We have a Brazilian expert in Carlos. We have Craig's commentary there as well, so it's a lot of fun. Also, we are hosting watch parties, but they're not really watch parties. We just we just get online to listen to each other, chat about the matches, which is uh, becoming a lot of fun, and then also just to help support the podcast. So the link is in the show notes if you're interested in signing. Let's break down Barca's latest two matches after this quick break. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right. So, you know, now that we are kind of just doing this once a week episodes i kind of like it because it gives us a chance to retrospectively look at one to two matches at a top line view as opposed to really kind of micromanaging as we used to mm-hmm. craig mcgov joins me craig first of all how you doing i'm all right without starting this podcast off on a negative note i'm moving house which for anyone who's done it recently you'll recall it might be the worst non-disease or death related thing in the world so other than that Life's very good, but I'm surrounded by boxes and losing the will to live. How about yourself? All good? How was your vacation? Yeah, yeah, my vacation was good. I was in Mallorca. Uh, as as we watched the match last night, it rained uh, most of the time I was there, so I was able mm. to 
understand the plight of the players last <laughs> night of the heavy ball and so forth. No, but it was a lot of fun. I was able to disconnect. And uh, as we were talking before, I'm headed to Porto next week to go to the Champions League match. So I want to thank Victor for helping me out with that. I'm uh, really looking forward to that because that's definitely on a bucket list of mine to go to an away Champions League mm. match. And I, I am over the moon about it. I, I, it hasn't hit me yet. You know, I think obviously on Tuesday when I head over to Porto, it'll be more my face. But I'm really, really looking forward to that for sure. Are you so two things? Firstly, forgive me if I'm not too sympathetic for your one day of rain coming from the UK <laughs> where it doesn't stop raining. Uh, no, are you are you going to seek out the the Previer and get involved in the pre-match activities? And, yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, whatnot? yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I, I have the I took the day off, so I have no excuse. Incredible. Like I just yeah. have to pick the tickets, go to lunch, and let's go, baby. I'm I'm gonna be fully involved for sure. Yeah, I mean so. my my favorite memories of away trips rarely involve the football, to be honest. But those those few hours before the game, yeah, you feel part of something. It's different to different to a home game. Are you gonna love it? I can't wait to hear all about it. Yeah, and I, and I'll be able to share this in our WhatsApp group for sure. So, all right, so last week Remy was on the mic and he was talking about he had a very interesting topic about you know he was coming off the two victories of five nothing consecutive victories and he was saying if we continue this trend who's going to stop us and I and I was listening to that I was like I don't, yeah, it's <laughs> hard to tell but I just want to start off with this because the first topic I kind of want to hit is just you know how do we approach watching this team and I think for a lot of Kool-Aids especially Kool-Aids who have joined recently especially during the Messi time I think it's this expectation of perfection that Kool-Aids are looking for now. And I, I'm, I'm sorry to say that's just not going to happen. I just think right now, especially in this era of transition, our team is imperfect. We are good. We are good. But we're not elite. You know, we're not consistent at a Manchester City level in and out on, you know, the weekend of having consistency with scoring and defense right now with the amount of substitutions we are having with the amount of matches, it's going to happen. And I want to just start off with this, Craig, before we get into this topic, if I said to you, you know, before in the preseason, I said in Barca's first seven matches, they would win five and tie two, be right up there at the top of the league. And on top of that, in their first champions league group match, they won five, nothing. How would you have felt? Well, this is this is this is the crux of it for me. Is if you told me it, I'd feel nothing. If I'm being really honest, it's the fact that I didn't know if that would be five and two, two and five, four and three. That's what's fun about sport for me. It's not knowing what's going to happen. And and so if you just said to me they're going to win five and draw two, I probably wouldn't have watched those seven games because I I watch sport for the unknowns. You know, I I'm not someone that will watch a game back after I've found out the result, for example. So I'm being a bit flippant with your question, but I would have felt very little because to me, what I love most about sport is the unexpected nature of it. It's not knowing what's coming next. So I would argue that what we're seeing currently is potentially the most fun experience that I've had in a long time with Barca because I don't know what's coming. Under under Kuman and and, and uh, under under Kika Setien at times, it was unexpected, but it was largely a bit rubbish. Yeah. Under 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 Pep um, and Luis Enrique, you could argue at times we just knew we'd turn up and win. And for some people, that might be amazing. For me, that got a little bit boring. Um, and so what what I think we have with this team so far is is the complete unexpected nature, which fundamentally has been successful. I don't want my team to be rubbish. Yeah. And so sure. I think I think when you say you know how how should we turn up and watch this team, 
I think turn up and turn up and just enjoy the ride. It is the way I look at it. Sometimes it'll be great to quote Reno Gattuso. Sometimes maybe good. Sometimes maybe shit. <laughs> but you know, and but I think to me that's that's what that's what embodies sport to me. So I'm loving it at the minute. Even even the games that aren't amazing, I'm like, well, I didn't expect that. So it's a long answer to a short question, but that's where I am with it. I turn up. I wait to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I this is the thing is that you know you and I have both been fans of this team before the golden mm-hmm. era, so we know the mm-hmm. volatility of the results that happened with this team, you know, and yeah, we were winning titles and different things, but it was very up and down, you know, it was very unpredictable, the performances and so forth. It just happened to be under Pep and, you know, Tata Martino and in that era afterwards, you know, basically where we were very predictable in winning with Messi and, you know, Xavi and Iniesta and so forth. The thing is, I'm kind of just approaching these matches as I watch NBA basketball. Before, you know, I would say these matches were more once a week matches and the players had a lot of time to rest and the players were ready to go. And, you know, the the results were pretty much predictable on paper. Right. But now with the amount of matches that they're playing, especially since returning from international break, you're going to have this inconsistency in performances just because of the nature of the matches. There's, you know, the amount of running and um, energy that is spent in the matches now. Mallorca, quote unquote, is not a bad team. I mean, they're decent at home. And with all these factors, like you said, you just have to go in knowing the unexpected and hoping to get the three points. And that's really what the ride is all about, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I would argue you go in and hope you get entertained rather than three points. But we've had that conversation way too many times to go around it again. But yeah, I take your point. You know, you you turn up, you hope it's fun or you hope you win or whatever metric you benchmark it being worthwhile is and you, and you kind of move on. And, and I, I always look at it and say, would I enjoy being a buy-in fan? And I don't think I would. They're on, I don't know how many a row they're on. Is mm. it double figures? Are they on for yeah, 10 yeah. in a row, 11 in a row or something? Yeah. I just don't know how that's fun. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to be, I don't know, I don't want to be awful. You know, I don't want to be, you know, getting relegated and flirting with danger and being Valencia where you don't know who's going to exist the next day and stuff like that. But um, but yeah, it, it, it's the unpredictability of sport that I love. And I think you've got to do that. And you're right about performance. You know, you, you can't be at your peak all the time. We had some freakish players that allowed us to get results where we shouldn't have had it. We, you know, we, we almost had a cheat code of players at one point where we just turned up and dominated teams and life was great. And it was amazing. Yeah. And it was some of the best football I've ever seen. But, you know, would I have... If I'm being brutally honest, would I would I have turned on Mallorca away under Pep's time? Maybe not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing that just puts into perspective how how elite and amazing that football was in that era. Mm. You know what I'm saying? When you look at the whole thing, because you know professional sports is not easy. Like that's the thing. You know, we we see it in NFL, we see it in, in football every weekend. These are professional athletes. They are scouting. They are looking. They are trying. And that's the thing is. You know, Mallorca is playing at home. I mean, last night, how many times did we see the players of Barca not understand the pitch conditions? It was wild mm-hmm. to me. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's – but that that's the beauty, right? Is that, you know, if, if it was all about playing – only playing big teams, only in pristine conditions, only at exceptional stadiums, then then we should all have been behind the Super League project. You know, and that, that's where it'll head. I think, you know – fundamentally you need you need the upsets in order to appreciate wins and titles you need losses and seasons where you don't win anything and you know that's that to me fundamentally is 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 sport so you know these games make a season you know turning turning the game uh the weekend into into three points instead of losing getting those 
getting those points that you've got from a defeat. Like, you know, these are the these are the things that make up that 38 game season. It all tells that story and it all weaves into the fabric of what you achieved that year. If it was just win, 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 I'm not sure how many of us would stay watching after a while. If I'm being, if I'm being honest, and the only thing I can take first-hand experience from are, are my friends who are who are Celtic fans. You know, I make it clear I'm a Celtic follower. I'm not really a Celtic fan in the same way I'm with a Barca fan. I'm a follower of Celtic, and some of the some of their worst times following Celtic when you know, Rangers were were down at the bottom and they were winning everything. You need competition. You need that fear of dropping points because it makes them goals matter. If we you thought we'd turn up and win 3-0 every week, bored to tears. <laughs> well, let's take a look at these last two matches. So we had Celta Vigo a win 3-2, to two, but that was a full-on comeback, right? Because they were up, what, 2-0 mm-hmm. uh, at that point? Yeah. And then in Mallorca, it was you know down one, then down another one, and then coming back to tie that match. So is it, you know... Is it just lack of concentration at the beginning on our defense and maybe the rotation of the defenders? Is that what you're kind of skewing to? Or do you just really think our defense is kind of following, kind of falling back to the mean, as we talked about last season? Um, That's a good question, really. And I don't think there's an obvious answer because I, I think we've seen errors, but we've not seen glaring errors. And we've seen errors from good players. Um, you know, and I think it's it's hard to pinpoint it. But what I think we are seeing is that clearly there is a style of football that we struggle against more than others. We clearly, as players are admitting themselves, as Chavi's admitting, you know, I'm not I'm not being particularly uh, insightful when I say it. We're struggling against teams who play a low block and exploit us on that counter. And I think yeah. if you're if you're flipping it, and instead of talking about Barca failure, if you start talking about other teams' success. I think they're executing their game plan perfectly, which is you draw Barca out until the space, and then you go and pinpoint it when you when you think the chance is there. So if you're if you're a proponent of that style of football, which some teams have to be, um, then maybe it's just that we're, you know, styles make fights and sure, someone's sure. right punch and punches in the nose, you know. So I I, th- I think there could there could be lots of things. There could be a few things. I think um, to to your point about the amount of matches, I think you know players just look leggy at this stage, which is which is really rare for how early it is. But if you think off the back of international tournaments, plus the amount of midweek games, plus international breaks that come far too early, um, maybe it's just that players are leggy and, you know, our defenders who are playing lots of games are coming up against attackers that aren't playing as many. Maybe it's as simple as that. I'm not sure. But I don't think there's any, I don't think there's enough patterns minus the teams playing a low block that worry me. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly don't know. I've not answered your question there, but I actually don't know what what it is really. I just it's it's always curious to me because I just in the last three years, it just feels like every team that counters converts, you know, and it's just a, like a it just see it just feels like that. I don't have the data to back up like how I many challenge shots. That. I mean, we can yeah, see, but what, I'm just seven, saying like seven, on counter teams, goals, on counter teams. Last well, last season I feel was more of an outlier. I feel like the last mm-hmm. two seasons, you know, where where we were, uh, you know, with possession trying to go through, and then they have a counter, mm-hmm. they have one shot goal. And then that's it. They're up one nothing, you know. And yeah, that is like you said. I, I like the way you put that because, you know, obviously styles make fights, right? And so mm-hmm. if they are converting on that, they, that's their style, that's their tactic, mm-hmm. that's what they want to do. So good on them. But again, you know, after just watching a bunch of football over the weekend and last week, it's just it's amazing to me how low conversion goals there are, you know, with professional players, right? But it just seems that, mm-hmm. you know, especially in these last two matches. 
you know, with Celta Vigo, they had three opportunities and two goals, essentially, you know, and and also with Mallorca, we just, you know, we give we gift them the ball from Ter Stegen's bad pass, which was, mm. you know, after looking at it a little bit later today, it looked like it was also a bad communication with Inigo and Romeo too as well so he thought that they were going to go into a space but again it's just all these things combined it's like all of a sudden it's a turnover and it's an automatic goal right so you know these are like you said I think it's a combination of a lot of things it's players coming in leggy pitch conditions match to match Mm -hmm. and again I think that's how we you know it's just lapse of concentration where I think they just need to tighten that up and you know, these players are going to have a lot of opportunities because of the injuries and the amount of matches. And so they have to bring their A game. And the thing is, I you can say, for example, like last night, you know, the combination of the defense, maybe they haven't played together, but still it's, you know, being fundamentally sound and this type of thing. Like last night, I mean, how many passes did it feel that we shorted? You know, how many times? Oh, did we just shocking. Yeah, yeah, right. And it's, I'm, Obviously, you played in rain many, many times, mm-hmm. and I was, yeah. and I put the, I put the note in there. I said, what, my kind of philosophy when I played in rain is, I'm not trying to go for a through ball. I'm trying to give it to your feet when you're open. Like I'm trying to limit mm-hmm. the 50 50, right? Because it's easier for players to slide. The ball gets caught up. It's easier that way, right? So you're trying to make really high successful pass, and I just don't think Barcelona did that until the second half when we were really pressing and trying to get mm. that going. So I don't know if you have any yeah. last thoughts on just kind of, you know, I, I think, you know, just reading the the comments on Twitter and just seeing the news today and everything, it's just funny to see how, you know, we have this expectation for Barca consistency. Uh, we were very lucky, you know, under Messi especially. And now, mm-hmm. like you said, it's just unpredictable, and we just have to mm-hmm. appreciate this ride. And, yeah, we're not going to win every match, but you got to be there to watch the whole thing. Yeah, 100%. And I think certainly defensively, you know, we're making errors, we're conceding from errors, and that probably really annoys Xavi. But from my perspective, errors errors are things Enemy. that you can tighten up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. But they're things that you can tighten up, their they're lapses in concentration, etc. If it was systemic... And we were sure. just conceding, you know, we were consistently conceding the same goal. Someone's getting on the fullback, crossing it back, and they're, they're putting it in from the six-yard box. You'd think, well, why aren't we stopping this? The areas that we're seeing, I think, are explainable. You know, we we press to an extent that we leave loads of space behind and people run through and get it. And, you know, if you look at the goals yesterday, one's a, you know, a, a bad decision from Testegen, who rarely makes an error. And the other one, for some reason, Araujo, who I believe is our fastest player statistically, looks like he's running with, you know, lead boots on. Less, yeah. That probably won't happen again. For, you know, it's unlikely that those two things will happen at the same time again. Let's put it that way. So I think <laughs> with, with those ones, I think you just kind of have to take it on the chin and move on. Uh, where I would be concerned is if we were just conceding the same goal time and time again. You know, it's I don't remember. I seem to remember us going through a phase of conceding. It felt like we conceded on every corner that was against us. That was annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this isn't annoying. It's just it is what it is. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing, and I think you know, like you said, I, I I'm I'm sure Chavi's like totally you know like losing his mind over these like yeah, mental yeah. mistakes, right? Because you know they're just fundamental, and just being elite Barca players, you shouldn't do this type of mistake. You know, that's that's yeah. kind of the idea, right? If you tighten these mistakes up, all of a sudden the Celta Vigo game is much easier. The Mallorca game, you're leading. Mm. You know, that type of thing. Of course. All right. Next thing I want to talk about. So I, I brought to you uh, the six man philosophy that I have. So the six mm. man relates to basketball, uh, where it is the first player off the bench. And usually they are pretty good. You know, they're not good enough to be a starter. But when they do come in, they definitely impact 
the game in a way. And, you know, they play minutes, they play, you know, between 20 and 25 minutes, they impact the game. Uh, I remember one famous six man, he was called the microwave because he would heat up in an instant. Okay. That was Vinnie Johnson from the Pistons. Yeah. So American. (laughs) So my, my philosophy or question to this is does Barcelona and the attacking third have too many six men? So for example, Ferran Torres gets the start last night and I, I, we could, basically agree last night it was very underwhelming i mean sure mm-hmm. he did the the defense and all stuff but like he didn't come through with the tenacity we've seen him when he comes off the bench and then laminium all comes in and makes an impact immediately as is coming off the bench and as we've seen from starting yeah he does good but i would say his impact is more received or more impactful when he comes off the bench so what do you what do you think about my six man uh theory here do we have too many six men in the attack I don't know if we have too many, but what I would say is that it is fundamentally different starting a game to coming on. So if you go back to when you played, I absolutely detested coming on as a sub. I could never get the pace of the game. It just felt weird to me. I, I always felt under pressure. I only played fullback. It's not like I'm carrying a game. I generally <laughs> only came on because someone was tired. You know, but when 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 I when I played most of my football and I played at fullback, I just felt I could never get I could never get that first touch. Do you know when you start a game? Yeah, yeah, you, because you, you, get a, you get a touch and you move on and life's fine because it, the game's going. You're in it. That's what I was going to say. But also there's pressure on you mm. as a fullback compared to, I would say, a midfield or a forward. Whereas, a, you know, when you come in, you don't have that pressure that you have to automatically stop whatever comes your way. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, it's, it's all very different. So I, I personally really, really, really enjoyed starting games. Really didn't like I, I would genuinely rather not come on. If I'm being honest, I just could never get into the game. I never had a good performance off the bench. Some people are the reverse. You know, before we started recording, we were saying Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was yeah. fun- fundamentally better off the bench than he was starting, it, seem- it seems to me. And I think it's for a few different things. You know, it's the pace of the game. It's Especially if you're a striker and you come on against a defence who is tired. It immediately gives you that arm. You, you've been able to analyze the game if you're one of those players. If, I don't know if you've seen Alonso and Lewandowski on the bench yesterday talking, and Lewandowski yeah, yeah. was basically making making a sign. I don't know why I'm making actions on a, on a podcast. <laughs> but, you know, for anyone that was, wasn't watching it, he was making a sign to, to Alonso saying we need we need to start dinking the ball over the top. Yeah. And so, if you sat on the bench analyzing the game, it gives you a chance to maybe pick holes in advance. Whereas if you, you know if you've been sat staring at your shoelaces or you know staring at the ground like Joao Felix was doing at Atleti, maybe it's not the same. But so I think I think it's fundamentally different how you do it. Do I think players are more suited to one the other? Probably. Ferran seems to play best when he's got something to prove, and I think that probably helps him. I think that's a bit of a spark for him. Whereas uh, others, you know, if you look at Jules Koundé, for example, who might be, have been in our top three players this season, was awful yesterday when he came off yeah. the bench. Couldn't get the pace of the game. Looked like he was running through treacle. Barely made a pass that, that that was that was successful. But you know, so maybe for him it's not the same. So to go back to your point, do I think we have too many sixth men? I don't know. Is there a difference? Yes. Should we look at starting players and not starting players because of that? I, I'm not sure because you probably start annoying people unless it's a given that they prefer coming off the bench. And I don't think at this level you've got many people that would admit that openly that yeah, they'd rather not sure, start games. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It's a good point. I, though. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. When I played, I didn't mind either or. You know, it also depends on when you come into the match. Like three mm-hmm. minutes left, no, thank you. Like you're not going to do anything. Uh, it's just insulting. You know, exactly. Come in 15, 10. Okay, I don't, I don't mind that. There was times I, I would come in and try to make an impact that way. But you know, I, it's just, it's curious to me because, 
you know, with Ferran Torres, I, and, and I hate to just pick on him because he has played better this season, but there's just something to it. Like when he comes off the bench that there's just something that, I don't know, like you said, he has something to prove. And maybe in the same vein, when Kunde comes in, like you said, as a defender, the game is happening so quickly already, mm. right? And to come in and to try to adapt so quickly and especially like you're not you're not afforded any mistakes as a defender right if you come in and, and you cause a mistake it's going to cause uh, a goal chance and it could be a goal and so there's a lot of pressure on that um what did you think i know you, do, you were talking go, go on i was gonna say I, I do think there's also an element of of how we appraise performance at, at, at the minute seems a bit off to me and and it's a game of opinions, and, and everyone. I mean, obviously, everyone fundamentally has a right to any opinion they want to hold, right? But you know, certainly in 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 sport, it's 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 encouraged and accepted that people got their own opinions and stuff like that. But I do think we over the last twelve months, Barca have always been a fickle fan base. We know this. We're one mm-hmm. of the most dramatic fan bases in football. Things are either disastrous or the best things in sliced cheese. <laughs> and but I do think at the minute we're we're appraising performance is weird as well. So. Alonso got absolutely panned at the weekend, and I I don't see how he was that bad. I don't think he was any worse than Balde was yesterday. I put it in the WhatsApp group. Was, know, was yeah. it any worse of a performance? And yet some players get a pass, some players don't. So if Lewandowski puts in the shift that Ferran did yesterday, is it as noticeable? Maybe because of what Lewandowski's had so far this season, but but maybe not. I mean, fundamentally, if Ferran Torres puts away one of the two chances he had, now, where I'm speaking about a striker who ultimately will be just on scoring goals, right? I get that. But if he puts one of those away, is that immediately a better performance? Like, in a lot of people's eyes, yes, because he's scored, right? But I just think we also need to be careful how we're appraising people. You know, Lemini Man came off the bench yesterday and was incredible. But if he hadn't been, does that mean that he should only start from now on because he's not bad off the bench? If Ferran comes on, off the bench, let's say he didn't start, comes on hypothetically and scores, does that mean that he has to come off the bench from now on? Not necessarily. So I think we also just need to be mindful of how we appraise players, and especially with the conversation we had about loads of games, too many people in their legs. We're still we're still incorporating lots of new players into the squad. I, I think it all just blends into this big maelstrom of it's still very early in the season. There's a lot of football to be played. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, I was just, I was, I took a, a two-hour walk before we recorded. So I was, I was walking around Madrid, and I was thinking about these, these ideas about how we mm. think of players of Barca and stuff. Because I was listening to some football podcasts on my, on my walk, yeah. and I think the way I want to appraise the attacking is in twofold, right? Obviously, goals is number one, but also number mm-hmm. two, just chances like to me it's all about chances because if you are creating the chance or creating havoc for other people then you are making an impact and yeah. to me that is a huge thing right mm-hmm. and yeah. you know if we take Ferran Torres's performance last night I just I feel though he was not as impactful creating chances for others and creating mm-hmm. havoc in that way now mm-hmm. if he would have scored and not also create the chances I think it's a mixed bag right like you said it's the Mm -hmm. goal so maybe we say it's better because my next question to you is going to be Rafinha because to me Mm -hmm. Rafinha continues to be the most challenging player I've ever had to root for because you see (laughs) glimpses like for example the goal he scores yesterday and then the 1v1 opportunity where he kicked a try like I don't know what he was doing there like he was trying to blast that to Menorca, right? And that's the difference between him not converting that and then literally two minutes after Mallorca converting the goal, right? And so these mm. are these moments. And and I saw, uh, I think it was Kevin Williams on, on Twitter saying, you know, if you take away Rafinha's goal, 
did he have a good performance? And and going back into this conversation we're having, you know, and I, I'm still frustrated by Rafinha's play and understanding of like where he's supposed to go. Again, he had a moment of brilliance yesterday with that goal where he took it, with the interplay with Cancelo, great, I'm in, right? But then it's also like the consistency throughout the match where I just feel he loses the ball too quick or he just makes the wrong read. And it's just, and again, I don't want to harp it on that 1v1, but man, I mean, that's, you gotta, you gotta put that away. Like, I'm sorry, you're a professional, you know, I, that's, that's the thing. So, but I think this, that, 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 well, that brilliantly encapsulates it. Cause if he said to me, how's Rafinha done this season and how did he play yesterday? I'd say, yeah, he's been great actually. You know, he's, he's, he's converting a skeptic in me into someone that really believes in him. So this, this is really, this, yeah, I, th- I think yeah. he's been, I think he's been really direct. I think he's been sensible in his decision-making, you know, that, that shot wasn't a great, obviously, like, but if you look at it, he's took it on the, he's took it on the run. Like, you know, these, these things will happen, but it was the right decision. The right decision was to shoot in the, in the past. He's made the wrong decision. In my opinion, he's tried to cut back, beat a man twice. So I would have said, I actually think Rafinha's took on a massive forward step this season and he, and he looks hungry and he looks like he's going to be really productive for us. But I think this, that fully encapsulates what, what I was saying earlier, which is, <laughs> you know, you ask a hundred different Barca fans, they'll all give you a different opinion of where sure, that simultaneously sure. is great, but also confusing because it means that we just spend all of our time. So oh, he's rubbish and he's great and he's the next thing and he's awful and he's done. And he's, you know, you know, never play Alonso again, you know, and blah, 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 blah. And I'm, I'm, I keep coming back to Alonso just because I feel like the narrative is ahead of the player. Yeah, yeah, of course. But I mean, and, I, I, and I Fer- Ferran was so close to being in that same boat. As yeah, well. yeah, for sure. I think I think the Alonso thing comes just strictly from Balde. We want to see Balde all the time, and I think that's just really comes down mm-hmm. to our our peer view that we want to see Balde in and out every time. But then, and, but then, then sorry, just, just one point there. Yeah, is that we say we want to see Balde all the time, and yet the, at the exact same time we're saying. Got to be careful with Gavi and Pedri. Don't want to burn them out. Yeah, of course. I, no, I'm just. I'm. What I'm saying is, we want to see Balde all the time, right? Like that's the idea. I'm just saying, in a, in a dream world, mm. don't. I'm not talking about load management or anything right now. I'm yeah, just yeah, saying yeah. Like in a in a video game world, if there's no injuries or whatever, we want to see Balde because Balde is the clear left back of this team, right? And so mm-hmm. anytime you see Marcus Alonso sub him already, it already gives a connotation that it's going to be a bad performance. Like you said, I didn't think it was that bad either over the weekend like he he was fine but the thing is he just doesn't excite you anytime that ball day's in there that's it i think that's really what it comes down to you know no i get it and and i and i totally get it it's more about the narratives that we've got rather than that player himself you know ferran was two decent games away from being in the same boat a lot of people would have seen him gone in the summer um you know how long until the next player is 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 in that you know i personally think gundawan's been pretty awful not, not awful that's that's not that's not correct at all i'm underwhelming in there underwhelming yeah a bit anonymous really yeah um in in lots of games he's had, he's had a few little touches here and there but i you know he's not what i thought we were getting so far it would be so easy to write him off and go i ah, he's not going to do it for us by seven games in you know what i mean it's like we should be careful about narratives for sure for sure and i think like you said i would say it's not disappointing. It's just underwhelming because we we expect more because of what he did at Man City the last three seasons. He's a player to me right now that looks very leggy right now. Like there's times where I just feel mm-hmm. that he's not making those through runs and dynamic runs like he used to with Man City without even thinking, you know? And mm-hmm. I think and maybe it's because of the responsibility he has in the midfield now is maybe a little bit different. But again, I just – again – I'm I'm going to wait and see because he is a world class player, but maybe it's just understanding his role a little bit more, and then yeah. getting to that moment where he doesn't have to think as much and he can just start playing. 
Yeah, no, hundred percent. And to me, he looks like a player that's a little bit confused still, or you know, he's just finding his finding his feet physically and metaphorically. Um, <laughs> but I, but I, but I think it comes back to that same thing, isn't it? You know, I think you know if we start saying that we've got too many good players off the bench, does that mean we, you know who do we start then? So I just think seven games in, let's let everything settle. We've got another international break coming up, which minus the fact it's Spain Scotland would annoy me, but it is what it is. That'll be quite fun. <laughs> um, but you know, let's get that out the way, and then let's just get a run of games and get a more of a settled squad. And you know, and it's also managing injuries, which is something we need to talk about, is because. You know, we're going to have to rotate. We're going to have to get people off the bench because there's just too many games now. We're going to have yeah, to yeah. manage the squad in, in, in that manner. There's no such thing as a perfect 11 anymore. I would say maybe the yeah. first game of the season. And then after that, it's it's a free well, even, then, because... even then, how many players are now returning late because they've just yeah, had yeah. I know. a horrible end to the season? If you make the latter stage of the Champions League, yeah, the players for sure. are done, man. I mean, let's get into it. Let's get into the injury talk because we're, I mean, obviously it's not just a Barca thing. It's a, it's mm. a European football thing that's happening. You know, it's funny. I saw a video about Pep talking about the Carabao Cup and he's like, this is going to be all academy players, baby, because I don't care uh, about this cup. I, I don't need Kyle Walker to get injured on the 16th yep. minute of the Carabao Cup. So yep. that's the way Manchester City is dealing with those situations. As I told you before we recorded, David Alaba just got hurt in the Madrid mm-hmm. game against Las Palmas. Uh, we continue to have some injuries here and there. Um, again, it's about this understanding that all these players are going to have time to get on the field, and it's about their impact and what they can do. Everyone, you know, everyone, like, you know how coaches, you know, everyone's got to pull on the rope together. You know, we're all a team. <laughs> everyone, you know, all this kind of coach speak, right? And again, this, you know, as we look at the table right now at the early stages, Girona. With 19 points. Real Madrid, 18. This is just updated now because of the yeah. match today. Barcelona, 17. Athletic Club, 14. Real Sociedad, 12. So there is traffic up there, right? There's, it's going to be very hard to separate as it's been done before. Girona, Girona is playing really nice football right now, right? I mean, they're playing some supreme football right now. They're going to be a tough place to play. Madrid is headed there. And, you know, it's all about this management of injuries and player personnel and just managing things. And, you know, we saw over the weekend, for example, on Sunday night, the Madrid Derby where Atletic um, Atleti won 3-1. Ancelotti was under fire about the team management that he used. So this is going to be something that is, you know, obviously going to separate in the coming months. I mean, we're still early days, but... Again, Xavi has to be really good about understanding his players, the injuries, and also just using those subs. And those subs have to come through. I mean, those we just got done with the six-man theory. But again, when they are called upon, they got to deliver. Yeah, massively. And I think from a, from a spectacle perspective, I just don't see where we're heading, to be, to be frank. Um, you know, the, the clubs start managing their teams so that you know peak performance is for your top two rivals away and and, and the rest of it's just cannon fodder like that's not good for anyone so it's not good for players it's not good for spectators it's just I, I just don't know where we're heading the amount of games that we've got and i think yeah it gives it gives real headache for headaches for squads and i don't want people to get the the violin out because we're the victim of our own <laughs> bad decision making as, as we know but you know when, when when clubs are financially impacted don't get me wrong bosses is through you know very bad maladministration and, and a lot of the problems are our, are our own making but if you're at the smaller end of the table you still need 
30 players, 26 players, whatever that figure is to get through the schedule that even you've got at that level. When you, you know, especially if you look at England, when you're playing three cups, how, how do you how do you stay competitive? You're Burnley. How do you stay competitive? With yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we're at a stage where it's just inconceivable that clubs can can truly you know get get ahead of the game. And I think something has to give. You know, something has to give. The Nations League in Europe was created so that meaningless international friendlies became meaningful. So you've immediately made it much yeah. harder for players to manage that load because if Erling Haaland drops out of Norway's next two games when they need to win everything and hope Scotland drop points, which won't happen, by the way, because we're the greatest nation on earth. But, you know, if, if that if that happens, Erling Haaland all of a sudden, what, he's unpatriotic, doesn't care about his country, but he'll have Man City saying, but we've got, you know, we've got three games in eight days. So I just don't see, I don't see how it ends for football in general and for Barca specifically. I think you're right. And it means that a lot of pressure is going to be put onto players uh, probably unfairly. You know, we look at the average age of the squad. Some of it's financial. Some of it is just necessity. Like yeah. Fer- Fermin Lopez coming and making an impact. Gav- Gavi and Pedri, far too much, far too soon. They've come out the other side of it, but it could have failed miserably. You look That's at right. Betis basically fielding a Barca B team. A lot of that was because those players got far too much pressure far too early. So, yeah, I think there's some big, big, big headaches and some big, uh, yeah, some big questions coming for football in general on the on the large management side, to be honest. Yeah. Way beyond performance as well, to be frank. Yeah, and, and again, just kind of rounding about this this idea of how we approach this team watching, the six-man philosophy, this idea is, you know, really just comes down to, you know, when the players are having the opportunity to start, like, like let's say last night, you know, I'm not asking for world beater performance, but I just want uh, just more consistency, right? And the thing is, we're entering now the beginning of October, and there should be more chemistry and more fluidity with our team, even though it's not the same p- people, you know, you practice with these players and it still seems to me at times no, that our players are born. No, no. Yeah. That. Yeah. I mean, if you look at that, if you look at that Celta game, if you look at the fact we came from behind twice yesterday, it depends what you mean by chemistry. Like if you're talking about passages of play, okay, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. But yeah if that's you're what, talking that's what about, I'm not, I'm, I'm cohesion not about... and spirit and no the no no, no. I'm not fight for each that. other. I'm not talking about that. Okay. I'm talking about I'm talking string of play. You know, understanding okay. like where we move in. Now there were moments last night. You know, especially in the second goal, for example, that was definitely a nice string of play. But you know, sometimes there just seems a lot of missed opportunities because it seems as though they're not on the same page, and that just kind of one of the things that I still don't understand. And so I, this is just me nitpicking right now. This is not. Yeah, yeah no, it's fair. I think. And I, I'm, I'm not saying you, I'm not saying your point doesn't have merit. I just I just don't share it. I, I don't I, I don't share it. I think that a lot of the you know we had two games where we played incredible football back to back. To your point about getting carried away earlier, you know <laughs> we, we we all wanted to right, but then you come back and if you look at that Celtic game, if you look at the game yesterday, I don't think the errors to me were were systemic or they were driven by formation or a lack of understanding of what we were doing. I think a lot of them were genuinely just individual errors. You know, we, we we misplaced a lot of short passes where, to your point about playing in the rain, obviously one of the drawbacks of being in the UK is that it rains a lot. So you know playing in the rain a lot that if you're going to play a pass, you don't sell someone short. You overhit it. You'd rather knock a ball out sure, of play than sure. give it three yards short. And so it was a lot of those sorts of things, which I don't think... I never looked at the decision-making and thought, what are you trying to achieve there? A lot of it was just, how have you not made that pass? You know the pass was on. I know the pass was on. You just haven't made it. And so I, I, I don't share it. I, I don't, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just don't share that school of thought, really. 
All right, we'll we'll continue to monitor this because um, <laughs> is it an no, ongoing because, situation? No, no, just because you know, I, I maybe it, maybe it's just uh, we were so lucky before where you know Luis Suarez, Messi, this combination was so in tune with each other that you know you, I don't know maybe we just expected that. I just feel that these players playing another year together, they would just seem to be on a better page. That's it. Like I still don't see Rafinha and Lewandowski connecting on a way that I would like them connecting, you know, in the string of player. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. You know, that's fair. We'll see. We'll see, how, we'll see how it develops. Yeah. Last thing I have for you. Uh, wha- your thoughts on Jao Felix so far. <sighs> While you think about that, I'll tell you mine. Go on. I would say I'm, I'm surprised. I'm definitely surprised because I definitely didn't think he was going to fit in as well as he has. It was funny because in the first match he came in, I thought that's what we were going to see. And it's clearly hasn't been. He's definitely, I don't know if it's just something that he is motivated, obviously. Um, Obviously getting playing time, playing in a, in a role that suits him as well. Because last night, for example, he hit a, he hit an, an awesome shot off the post. I don't know if, you remember that, right? And yeah, yeah. he's definitely made a difference. He's scoring goals for us already, and and he seems to be in true father with the team. And so, mm-hmm. if he continues, then I'm gonna have to eat my words because I did not like this move at all. I thought, you know, we talked mm-hmm. about this move prior, but he definitely has, you know, if we talk about what we talked about, performances, scoring goals, and creating chances, he's checking those boxes. So, uh, if he continues on this road, I'll have to eat my eat my words and eat my my. You know, I'll be I'll be the bigger man and accept my <laughs> my yeah, yeah. error in that judgment. So, yeah, like likewise. I mean, I remember saying, uh, "If Charles Felix is the answer, what on earth is a question?" Right. So, if this if this comes <laughs> good, then yeah, exactly. Me, me and you will be rowing rowing that boat together back to yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Pie. Um The way the way I look at it right now is, it's far too early to judge him. Is my opinion. Um, I remember thinking Sandro could be the guy. I remember thinking Munir could be the guy. I remember thinking Memphis could be the guy. I remember thinking Luke de Jong could be the guy. Um, if Xiao Felix does nothing else for us, then he's not been a success. If he carries on in this rate, he's going to be a massive success. So my thoughts, as boring as they may be for a podcast, are far too early to tell. I hope he carries on. He's been better than expected, but he's still got a long way to go. Um which is potentially the most I've ever sat on the fence on an answer. But <laughs> he's, he's far, it's far too early to tell. But as it stands, um, the one thing that does strike me is he's working a lot harder than I expected. Yeah. So let me ask you this, as we just mm. talked about chemistry. My visual eye test already tells me or shows me that Zhao has better on-field chemistry link-up play with Lewandowski than Lewandowski does with Rafinha. In this short time, your thoughts? I think they're fun, fundamentally different players. So I think, I think you would expect. How can I word this? I would expect Jao Felix to play with Lewandowski. I would expect Rafinha to serve Lewandowski. So I think that should be the case. I think Rafinha is at his best when he is effectively operating as an individual within a team. He beats many, puts balls in, he puts crosses in, he takes shots. Um, Whereas I think Jao Felix is someone that plays with forward players. And I think the ideal scenario is that you have one of each. And if it's them two, brilliant. If it's two others, 
brilliant, not really that bothered fundamentally. So I, I think that should be expected um, to get the best out of both of those players. I think they're so different that I don't think you can compare apples with apples there with that one. Again, sorry if that's boring, but um, I think they're just I think I think I think they're just fundamentally different types of players. I think what you need to look at, in my opinion, is um how does Rafinha compare to Lemin Yamal in that link up to Lewandowski rather than how do they, either of them compare to Jao Felix? That's a good question. Well we'll address that next time. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just like as I said, I just when I'm looking at attacking players, especially since Jao Felix isn't a true winger, obviously, like you said, mm-hmm. he's kind of playing that. He, the way he's already been able to feed the ball, do those runs with Lewandowski already, that's what I'm kind of looking for because those are the channels that Lewandowski thrives in. And I think that's going to help further Lewandowski get more goals. That's why – because I want yeah. to see Lewandowski – we both want to see Lewandowski get those goals. And I just feel – now, this I have no data to back this up. I'm just kind of – just when I'm watching the matches, yeah. I just feel that uh, Rafinha and Lewandowski kind of just go on their own island – and try to solo it too much, and then they cause errors and don't convert on a chance or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's all I'm saying. So, and I think as we talk, as Remy always says, I'm looking for things that are sustainable. I think the Jao Lewandowski combo is more sustainable because of the interplay and the talent between them to break down individuals. I just think that is a better sustainable attack Do on you- that side. Do you think then, following that, because I, I, yeah, I think you're right. They're playing really well together. Do you think? Do you think it almost leaves that winger wasted? Then, you know, we've seen that as Rafinha's come inside, mm-hmm. he's been a, a literal game changer in the times he's done that. Do you think it's time that we effectively go two up top, Shao yes. Felix and Lewandowski, been, been, and, we, and we, we play Rafinha in the ten? I think. I think the fact that we, we don't have a true left wing should we we should have a two type of forward system where Lewandowski is a little bit more on the left, up the middle, and then Rafinha can play off of that, and the Jao can be behind and just even thrive further as kind of like the interesting number 10. To see that explicitly. Yeah, yeah. Because it, I think... Your point about sixth man, instead of it being a, a reactionary change to needing a goal, actually go and do that from the offset and see if it works. That'd be interesting to see that. Because the thing is, the thing is, you know, before, you know, when we had Dembele and Rafinha, obviously Xavi was trying to spread the field, spread the quadrants, and really utilize yep. all that space. And I think now, because since we don't have a true left wing, we don't need to void that space. You know, I think it's more important to have better link up play up through the middle with Lewandowski, who likes to do that. You know, he is a type of player that wants to get the ball in his feet, turn and shoot, you know, without mm-hmm. thinking that type of idea. And he's going to get that type of service going through the middle rather than crosses on the side. You know, that's just kind yep. of how he thinks. So, Again, I just think, like as we as we kind of break down, we're utilizing the best of both worlds, right? You're having Rafinha come in as kind of if he wants to be the winger at times, great, be the winger, but he can play off of Lewandowski, and then that mm-hmm. gives the other channel because then you have the support of Gavi, Pedri, Gundogan, whoever's behind him, do and you think, then you have Balde bombing off the left. You know, do you think do you think Lim, uh, Lemieux can play that ten rule centrally, or do you think that's where no. when we talk about players starting, players coming off, do you think that's the fundamental decision that Xavi might make, which is if we need someone to start or play wide? It's Limin Yamal and Rafinha does whatever he needs to do. And on the flip side, and it'll annoy some people, but if we say, actually, we think this is a game more for that two up top, someone in behind in that 10 role, unfortunately, that means Limin Yamal sits. You know, yeah. talk about sustainability, talk about using players in the right role at the right time. Yeah, maybe it's as I mean, this is this is as simple thing. as this. We'd both be doing it professionally, right? But maybe it's as simple <laughs> as that. Well, I mean, this is, this is the idea, right? I think, you know, you're still using your philosophy, 
in just mm-hmm. a different way, right? And it just mm-hmm. depends on how the match. And this gives it a new wrinkle. And I think, I think Laminia Mall thrives on the right wing. I mean, we've seen the moves that yeah. he does, the speed. So I don't want to take him in the middle. But I know one thing, Joe Felix is awesome in the middle. You know, he loves that interplay, and so does Lewandowski. And Lewandowski, when he had that interplay with Thomas Muller at Bayern, they fucking, he, he would score 20-plus goals every time, man. And that was easy for him because Thomas Muller was so smart. He knew how to move and give the ball to Lewandowski, and Lewandowski would just score at the top mm-hmm. of the box. And I think, you know, especially with his age, I think that just benefits. And so, you know, again, I think – this is what the thing is. You got to change with your team, right? You know, last yeah. year I would say, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. we need to have the three up because we have the belly Rafinha. We want to spread the quad. Okay. That's fine. This year we don't really have that luxury, but we have really great talent that can play up the middle. If uh Ferrin needs to come in in the in second half or Ferran Torres, I mean, you can kind mm-hmm. of mix it up and now all of a sudden you have a lot of options. And I think that's yeah, what yeah, we're yeah. always kind of looking for, especially when we are chasing a match, right? You want to have yeah. different options of attack and go through that. So I think we unlocked it. So we'll just send an email to Javi with our new ideas <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just go from there. Uh, any last thoughts before we sign off? No, no, nothing for me. It's uh, when do we play again? Friday. Coming thick on Friday, wow, thick yeah. and fast, eh? So it's Friday in Sevilla, and then Wednesday Oof, in Porto. Yeah, yeah, Friday match in Sevilla are eh, not playing that great. Uh, we just got a message on our WhatsApp that Eric Garcia scored the winning goal for Girona to put them leader in the league. So let's put, let's put Eric in the 10. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> All right, so like I said, uh, match is on Friday night, which is the rare Friday night match, and then Champions League on Wednesday. Remy will be up next doing the summary on both those matches. Craig, thanks for joining me. Talk to you soon. Always a pleasure. Sports Social Podcast Network.